Welcome back to SwitchCast. This is season four, episode one. Darn right, we took a couple weeks. <laughs> we have sound effects now. This is we're really moving up in the world. Oh man, we've had so much fun here, um, and uh, we took a couple weeks hiatus after uh, finishing off season three on our two-year mark. But uh, yes, that was uh, we weren't going away for good. Um, to the disappointment of a few. <laughs> Do we know who they are? No, we Please don't. Please raise your hands in the comments. <laughs> they went away a long time ago. So, um, no, we really appreciate you uh, being here, being our loyal listeners and uh, interacting with us. Uh, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Um, and uh, it, yes, all that to say, throw your questions in if you have them. Uh, once again, we exist to, well, we've got a new tagline uh, for SwitchCast this year. Uh, we are searching for the truth and humor in the car industry. And um, that is what we're doing. And some of it is exposing scams. Some of it is navigating through uh, how to buy and sell cars properly and everything in between. So I'm your host, Doug Tabbitt. We're here with Tyler Sanders, the official supplier of banter, and Ethan Huffnagel, our producer. I need to get some and business cards with that on it. Like, the, really nice embossed, like, <laughs> official provider of banter. Banter <laughs> supply. Is, is the official banterer. <laughs> banterer. Yeah. Banterer? I hardly know her. Hey, hit that drum. <laughs> Maybe it's too early for that. No, never. no it's not. <laughs> never too early. Uh, if you don't know why the pine cones are here on set, well, go watch season three. Um, but uh, if you have questions, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you're watching live, throw them in the comment flow and we will do our best to get to them throughout the show. Uh, but the best way is to submit them on switchcast.live and uh, that uh, puts them right in our inbox and then we'll sift through them and, and uh, get the good ones. We've got a couple questions this week from switchcast.live and you can also catch up on old episodes there and find out where you can download the audio podcast so you can listen to it on the road or uh, in the train maybe. I think Chris, uh, Chris listens to us on the train like green eggs and ham. I would not, could not listen in the train. I would not, could not in the rain. There you go. But you should. That ended up better than I thought it was going to. Would not, to. could not on a boat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> We're better than green eggs and ham. <laughs> yes. Hard to Far believe. Far better. Hard to believe. Anyway, we are... Um, I want to follow up on a couple things from last season. We are making a difference in the car world, right? People are listening to our podcast and making changes for the better. I know this may be hard to believe for some, but uh, Tyler's wondering where I'm going I, with this. What is this? <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> no. So last season, uh, somebody submitted a Facebook Marketplace ad or Craigslist or something, um, and, and we have a lot of fun picking apart uh, descriptions that are scammy or scummy or whatever, just humorous, lacking in truth. And uh, <laughs> it was a it was a Dodge Caravan for like. <laughs> Fourteen no twelve thousand dollars that had only been driven to and from doctor's appointments. Oh, with a trailer hitch because they with had to trailer, trailer something to the yeah, yeah. stained right. carpet. So, yeah, so not a few days later, everything that we had picked apart on this listing was changed or redacted. What? They lowered the price because we said the price was insane. They said open to all offers. Uh, they removed the part about doctor's appointments and the trailer hitch. <laughs> uh, they said super clean interior. They removed the part about the stains. Well, I don't like that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, the photos of the stains were still on there, though. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, literally everything we called out in their description, they updated. So I, I don't know. I, I'm taking credit for that one. You know what? That's... <laughs> Whoever's out there listening, I can't believe. Like, I want to know the chain of like how many degrees of people did it have to go through for them to like listen to what to we get said. to some old person selling yeah. a caravan. That's they weren't on TikTok. No, yeah. <laughs> not a chance. Hey, Mabel, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> oh God! What are these young whippersnappers yammering on about? Yeah. My caravan is nice. <laughs> Oh. Hand me my glasses. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's uh, it's our mark. I get regular checkups. I'm not unhealthy. <laughs> Just have a lot of them. 
Regular. Uh, <laughs> I do like how Mabel is where you went with that. I just thought of, like the first, like the quintessential, like old, old person. Are Mabel and Hank related? Is, <laughs> is Mabel be. Hank's wife? Would Hank let his wife post that though? Oh, no. absolutely not. I don't know. It was in all caps, so it's, uh, he might have written it for her. Uh. Hank, by the way, for those of you who are new, is the Corvette curmudgeon. But uh, <laughs> see <yeah>. him later. <laughs> Got to get that lore. Yes, uh, they did not fix the all caps, so the, the ad is still in all caps. They're still yelling about it being see? a great car. Classic um, Mabel. Right super there. clean interior. No pets. No smoking. Well, now they're getting all you know, telling us what to do. <laughs> Getting all yeah, moral. if I go up to Mabel and moral. say I have a cat, is she going to kick me out? I don't know. Apparently, not allowed to smoke either. Well, that's not a well in Ohio. That might be a never mind. We're not going to go down that road. <laughs> we'll be a great van for someone. Let's give this a good home. Literally, like a new one. Well, no. that, that, one that one stayed the same. That was you know we could workshop list. this a little bit more, Mabel. Hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll set you. Have right. you sold it yet? I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Um, the last season, we we did our best to cover um, pitfalls of buying and selling cars, shipping cars, how to avoid scams, how not to get scammed by a dealer, by a trucker, by a scammer, by anything in between. Uh, basically, trying to navigate through car ownership without having massive regrets, because it's very easy to uh, have massive regrets. We're, we're your lighthouse in the sea of car ownership. Oh. And them seas are rocky. <laughs> it's getting real cheesy here real quick. Um, but I, 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 um, I don't mean to depress anyone out there, but um, I have to say that I'm sorry. There is pretty much nothing we can do because there's a couple stories and examples from this week that basically just say you are all SOL. And buying a car and shipping a car is a risk, and some of you might get screwed no matter what you do. Uh, the first story is from the trucking side of things. Now, uh, we'd love for you to go back and listen to the shipping episode, but I'll, I'll just recap some of the tips for you. Um, don't use brokers. Don't use open transporters. Verify insurance on truckers. Uh, verify feedback if you can. Call references. Uh, check out their equipment. Uh, by that, I mean their truck and trailer. I don't know what you were thinking, but um, all of that, however, is no good because one of our preferred carriers, that's right, we had used them before and they were on our list of like, these are good guys, we should call them first. A uh, company called Wheels to Wheels. Um, Steve Long, I believe it is. Um, and, and all of this is secondhand information, so lawyers don't get all uh, your panties in a bunch here. Um, these are things we heard, so everything is alleged. I'm not stating these things as fact, other than this was the company and we know something happened. But they were making a delivery a couple weeks ago at a local exotic car dealership, and the cop showed up blocked the truck in, and repoed it. The truck? The truck. Whoa. The trailer, I guess, stayed there, which was good because there was people's cars in it. But apparently, so that actually happened, and that was the company. I guess there was a repo guy, like, sitting, you know, it's kind of like the bail bondsman, right? They're always out, like, looking for, you know people hot tips and you know see if they can get a payday it's it's like you you see those cars driving down the road you see them with like the plate readers all over their cars so they'll get a commission if they spot a, a car that's up for repo i want this to come up on one of those tlc shows about like was it like big dog bounty hunter or something is one of the names it's like yeah i got a truck yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go we'll so, just take this guy down <laughs> automotive bounty hunters yeah. I should put that on the Diablo, put all the plate readers all around it. <laughs> People are like, what? How do you think right? I can afford this? It's <laughs> <laughs> those $50 spiffs. Look, they add up. <laughs> Why are you driving a Lamborghini around East Cleveland? I'm looking for Optimus, man. Looking for Optimus. You'll get it. <laughs> and Malibus and Chargers. And <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, so 
the truck gets repoed, and uh, apparently he was bouncing checks left and right, which is why the cops got involved. Because technically, uh, as far as I know, a repo is not like a a legal thing. It's not a theft. It's not something that cops care about, right? That's a, it's a it's a civil action between the the bank and the person who hasn't paid. It's not criminal. So, um, but I guess because he had been bouncing checks, there was a lot of people looking for him, and. Uh, apparently, according to what I heard, he had taken a loan out on the truck from like a private investor and literally only made the first payment. <laughs> so I, I was talking to Ed Bullion about this. He's like, well, that's one way to keep the overhead low. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> so anyway, it, uh, sorry to say it doesn't matter what you do. Uh, even good guys can go under. And um, I won't name names because uh, a couple friend of mine couple friends of mine um, got burned pretty badly. One was, well, one was the person who committed the the fraud and the other one got taken for almost everything. But um, a, a, a West Coast high-end car dealer went under fairly recently and took millions of dollars worth of investors' money. Um, and it's somebody I've had a relationship with for over a decade. So they were, in my mind, trustworthy. So... Mm-hmm. Guys, gals, um, be careful out there. Be really, really careful. Um, do your due diligence. Protect yourself. Have good insurance because things can go wrong. Um, and we'll continue to uh, try to you know, develop and help you out with ways to avoid getting screwed. Uh, but I think it, it's, uh, it's really important right now to be extra careful because the market is softening. Uh, there's a lot of people who are extended, overextended on their loans for their inventory, for their personal cars. And I think we're going to see a little bit of a, a fleshing out of, well, as, as Warren Buffett says, when the tide goes out, you'll see who is skinny dipping. Um, the only problem is they, you know, take people down with them. So watch out for that undertow. Be careful. Alrighty, and SwitchCast is brought to you by BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio. They serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, and that is to make people a part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, a sporting event, a wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy and flexible live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy that we're broadcasting this show with a phone. So head on over to switchcars.com slash BoxCast for your free trial. All right, Hank, how you doing? Oh, pretty good, Mr. Tyler. How are you doing? I am doing great. It has been a few weeks. Uh... You've been enjoying your time off a little bit, getting to bed a little earlier, I guess? Yes, well, this daylight savings time is a real son of a gun, you know. Gets dark right about the time that I'm having dinner, and I don't like that. No, it's very confusing. Do you wish that we would stop doing daylight savings time? Like, stop changing the clocks? Well, it is It is kind of a pain to get up and, and change all of them every year all the time and stuff, and then, you know... And you wake up in a daze because you... Just I still right. haven't figured out how to get my flip phone... Flip phone... Flip flip phone to change the settings so mm-hmm. yeah oh, i just i'm an hour off six months out of the year so that would be nice <laughs> love rough. it uh so i imagine you know things are getting a bit colder here in ohio um i'm imagining the corvette has been put away for the year well the corvette's put away all year it just <laughs> comes out every now and then for a car show okay i think my question might still be valid uh how do you store your corvette for the winter months same way i store it in the summer months in my garage but you don't do anything Clean different. Okay. And under a cover. Battery tender. A Corvette I'm branded fifth uh not uh, uh you know, one of them silk fitted covers. Nice uh-huh, cover. Uh-huh. Is it uh do you have it on like do you overinflate the tires so they don't get flat spots? Do you have little ramp thingies to put them on? No, I don't put them on ramps. You know, that would wear out the clutch putting them up and down on that. Oh, thing. not the sorry, not the ramps for like changing oil, but you can put things below your tires that help them stay round. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they're they're original tires on that because I don't drive it that much, so you know, I'm not too worried about that. They're 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 pretty good. They still got full tread on them. Okay. Um, are they cracking at all? Maybe that you you might see. 
Uh, they, I don't know. They got full tread on them. They're good. They got full tread. You might want to take a look uh, in the spring in between the tread to make sure things are all right. But we'll, Are you we'll, trying to get me to spend money I don't need? <laughs> no, I just want you to be safe, Hank. That's all. I, if you, when you take it out to a car I am show, safe. Oh, okay. I drive the speed limit, and I only drive it in dry climate. I ain't driving in the rain trying to go on the highway or go 80 miles an hour. Uh, uh, you know, I do respect that. That's safe. Good man. Uh, do you put stable in your gas tank? Heck no. No, I ain't right. putting some funky chemicals in my car. I mean, gas is a chemical. Fuel is a... Nah, that stuff know. smells like the friggin' uh, the stuff that comes out of them kids' vapes anyway. That cherry sweet <laughs> it kinda yuckiness. Does. Not wrong. You are yeah, not wrong. Gross. Well, I was hoping that maybe we could give some folks tips on how to store their special cars for the winter, but it seems like you're telling them they should just keep it inside all year. Yep. Yeah, don't let it get dirty, for sure. And uh, then you won't have to clean it. Uh, and uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Do don't you, uh, don't let the kids or the wife around it. Do, uh, don't have pets. That's a good way to keep your car good stored. You know, d- just don't have pets because they might get up on it. Mm-hmm. Set some mouse traps. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good call. That yep. is. A, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you uh, do you believe in starting it up in the winter time to get the fluids moving, or do you wait until you're ready to drive it to start it? Oh yes. No, it's it's good to start it up every month or so and and warm it up. Yep. For legal reasons, that's not advice. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, well, I think what's the, his legal uh, nah, disclaimer? Nah, crap. D- d- some folks on the internet don't necessarily think that's a good idea. If you're not going to drive the car, just let it sit rather than circulating stuff around unnecessarily. It doesn't get properly warm that way. Oh. You know, use all the components in a, in a good fashion. I think Hank might fight me. Yeah. This is not good. Hey, this guy on TikTok says you should start and run the AC too. You you doing that? Oh yeah, you <laughs> yeah. don't want to get them AC compressor seals worn out. But I also don't ever really need the AC because you know I don't ever drive it when it's above about 75, 80 degrees. And if it's too much humidity, I'm not going to drive it either. So See, you know you I go. don't I don't need it to work that well. But yes, it's a good thing. Uh, if you know anything about anything, you should get all your seals and rubber and everything in your car and your fluids up to temperature. Make sure they they last long time but these young kids wouldn't know anything about that they're just concerned about the friggin environment so if you don't drive your car when it's above 70 you said outside right maybe 75 80 okay 75 depends on the humidity so what's your low temp like what do you when it's about 60 okay all right (laughs) (laughs) you know what i uh i respect that i don't agree with it but i respect it i just want you to enjoy your car hank that's all I enjoy it very much. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you very much for coming in again, Hank. We're looking forward to hanging out with you more this season. Uh, hopefully we don't keep you up too late in these dark winter months. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to have a hard time seeing on the way home. My night vision's <laughs> going, but uh, I'll just drive slower. Yeah, just be safe out there. All right, thank you very much. That was the Corvette Curmudgeon, everyone, brought to you unwittingly by the Corvette Buy Sell Trade Group on Facebook. That is your source for cranky boomers, overpriced Corvettes, and reinforced stereotypes. Speaking of Corvettes... <laughs> Welcome back, Doug. Speaking of Corvettes, side, well, no, I'll get to that next. Um, Dan Doucette, our our resident uh, obscure knowledge about everything uh, expert here. Um, I think we need like a a Dan Doucette nerd segment or something like that. Yeah, there we go. New segment. Right. Um, Overwhelm you with with semi-useful knowledge. Um, But... uh, he sent me a build sheet on an Aston Martin DB9 this week. And, oh, uh, you know, so, okay, I'm going to go on a side rant and then get back to this, right? We think Corvette people are bad because they're like, oh, my car is a one of one because of this particular option set. So Aston Martin corporate is now issuing like these certificates that are just called one of. And you see them at car shows in the windows, and oh it's boy. just one of, you know, because of their spec, this is one of one. This is one of one, which to me is patently asinine on an Aston Martin because they're all friggin' one of one. Yeah, unless it's like silver over black, like a just right. normal thing. It's going to be special. I've right. talked with Dan about the different colors you can get from like colors from other manufacturers. There's like a whack load of greens, but there's all a bunch of one-offs because it's some random yeah. Porsche color or ra- random British Lamborghini. cars, right? Yeah. Like Rolls Royces, 
Aston Martins, that, that's where the term bespoke came from, is people specking out like upper leather and lower leather and whatever. Like, yes, they're all one of one. So I think it's just dumb for Aston Martin people to have the one of things on their windshield. Like, I have an Aston Martin. It's probably one of very, very few because it's a friggin' manual. I'm not ordering that thing. I don't care. I don't care. But do you know what it is? Do you know what you're one of? Or did I not tell you until it like comes in the mail? I have no idea. How much does it cost? Are you saying I should do this just as an experiment? I just kind of want to. I just kind of want to. The know. podcast does not have the budget for us to just randomly spend money on curious research projects. We can think take it out the, of Ethan's pay. Think of yeah. There you go. Think of the, the potential TikTok content that we could get from a one of one DB nine certificate from. I could just make it up though. That'd be better. There you I go. Could just I want to know the up. real number though. Well, we'd have to figure out how to tie it into like Corvette. You know. Making fun of Corvette We got to bring it back to Corvette owners. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got rich and I bought this fancy Aston Martin, but it wasn't good enough. It had to be rare. So I ordered my one of Aston Martin certificate. Uh, I can't believe they charged me $273 for this. <laughs> Don't spoil the content. <laughs> Work shopping. Um, make a note of that, producer Ethan. Um, let's get this ordered. Producer or Tyler, Ethan. it was your idea. Okay. Back to what I was going for. The Corvette curmudgeon would be proud. I think Dan Doucette found a an Aston Martin DB9 that was special ordered in GM light carmine red. Oh, do you have to have it, Doug? <laughs> well, it's an automatic, so I don't. Uh, you can fix that. But I just loved how it wasn't just like light carmine red, but specifically <laughs> like General Motors light carmine red. That's great. Were you like giddy when you saw that a DB9 was painted in this color, regardless of the transmission? Like I was, somebody I was did this. Excited. Like someone <laughs> paid the extra money to do this. I I feel like their money was not well spent. I would have paid more for them to name it something different because it's like, hey man, what color is that Aston Martin? Chevy red. <laughs> <laughs> Chevy red. <laughs> You gotta say it like that every time, too. <laughs> I like that. My Corvette's best Corvette because it has a V12. It's an Aston Martin. Chevy, Chevy Red. red. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, I like that. Thank you, Dan. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. All right. Uh, let's talk about the car market. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk about Diablos quite a bit tonight, but um, bring a trailer is fantastic for evaluating and keeping tabs on the car market because they, um, well, they have customer loyalty, right? There's, there's other websites that are a more total picture of what's going on in the car market, but with bring a trailer, you can see what a car sold for the last time it was listed and then what it sells for this time because they put a link right in the auction description. Hey, this car was listed here before. Here's what it sold for. So when you have a crazy moving market like we have in the last three years, it gives a um, real good picture of what's going on. And I track what's going on with Diablos because I own one and I'm just kind of always keeping my finger on the market. And there was an awesome white 91 Diablo that sold there a couple months ago. And I've been seeing a fair amount of this lately where we're seeing relists because the winning bidder fails to follow through on the auction, on their commitment to buy. And this was the case here. And the winning, winning bidder on that 91 Diablo had about 30,000 miles, bid $335,000 for a first-year Diablo. Now, that was, I think, a high-water mark for any early Diablo that had sold. It sold for more than Mario Andretti's red Diablo. Um, the white certainly maybe brought a premium, but there are some odd things going on in the bidding where I think that the, the bidding jumped massively to 330 and then 335 and then done. Like it jumped by like 100K. So it was very suspect, especially when all of a sudden the bidder doesn't come through. So it was relisted. It had a singular bid of $250,000 and it sold for two fifty. dollars So we went from three thirty five 
to 250. The odd thing was, at least in my mind, other than 250 being the only bid, was that the bidder who bid 250 after they bid said, this is at least a 300K car. Hmm. Which is terrible shrewd negotiation. You would want to say like, oh, these are overvalued. This thing's a turd and then bid. But you bid and then go, oh, these things are way undervalued. This thing's way worth way more than my current bid. Like somebody's either second guessing or they're shill bidding or something. Yeah. So there's all sorts of odd things around this particular auction. Um, you know, maybe it was a real bidder and he was just having <laughs> bidder's remorse as soon as he clicked the button. But eh, there's some sketchy stuff around this. Um, there is a point to this. There is a point to this and I'll get to it. If you can't see it already, there's also an Amethyst 964 Turbo 36, which is a one-year-only car uh, produced in 1994, uh, quite rare and very desirable. It is the uh, last year of the rear-wheel drive turbos before they went to the all-wheel drive in the 993, but it's also also the first year of the 36 turbo. So it's the only 36 turbo in a 964 and the only rear-wheel drive 36 turbo car other than like a GT car, you know, 993 GT or whatever. Um, so it's it's highly desirable. It uh, it sold in 2021 for 400,000. Okay. Or it sold again in 2022 for $401,000. Okay. Ironically, 401k. <laughs> People say cars are investments. <laughs> this sold for 401k. It is now up for sale again. No big deal. People bought it, sold it, whatever. However, every single one of those transactions, buying and selling, were all dealers. Oh, really? All dealers. Not a single end user has purchased or sold this car in the last three auctions. Interesting. Very interesting. So, uh, Mr. John Sabo and I were discussing the market recently, and he had a, a, a good, uh, I mean, we've, we, we've said this in a number of ways, but he had a good uh, laconic way of saying it. It basically was that buyers are only buyers right now if they think that the next guy will pay more. And he was talking about it with watches as well, right? Like guys are buying Rolexes for 25 because they think somebody else will pay 30. And once that trend stops, all of a sudden the guys buying at 25 are no longer buyers because they're not actual watch collectors. They're just opportunists, speculators. And I think we're starting to see a lot of that in the car market right now because what typically immediately precedes a falling off of the market is when dealers are buying up horse trading and they go dealer to dealer to dealer, everyone thinking that the next guy will pay more. And there are some end users, some collectors within that, um, within those transactions, but a lot of them are dealers either propping up the market or just saying, well, market's going up, somebody else will pay more. And in this 964 Turbo example, like, there's not a single retail transaction above 400 for this car. Not one. Hmm. So what's the real value in this car? If we take out all the people that are saying, well, it's going to go up in value. If, if people are only buying it at 400 because they think somebody's going to pay 450, if you eliminate all those people from the car market, what happens? People like us get to buy cars again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing for the enthusiasts if it happens. I don't think it's going to have a big crash because I think there's too much money out there that's cash tied up in these cars. Um, but I don't know. A lot of it may be fake as well, right? I, I mean, there's there's people who are highly leveraged and they're going under and it may be a slower cycle, but... I th I think that we're going to start seeing some cleansing within the market and some of the guys that are highly leveraged are going to get out. Some of the speculators that are only in this for the game, for the, for the profit are going to get out 
And I think enthusiasts will have a little bit more of a chance to buy cars again. I would like to see Heck that yeah. happen. I would like to see it happen. Um, Let's have 993 prices go down. <laughs> I mean, they have a little bit. They have. But another 20% wouldn't... Uh, yeah. That be wouldn't right be terrible. That. No, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want the cars I own to go down in value. But at the same time, I want the market to be normalcy, Right. I want to. I want. I want to be pure in my own purchases of cars. I want to buy a car because I love it, and in theory, it should cost me money. And I would like for other people to do that as well. But which you know. I feel like we evangelize that a lot on this podcast because it's the right way to do things. We're not immune from it though. Like I've noticed as my cars have cooled in value and I've driven them and put a ton of miles on them, I'm like, ooh, that kind of sucks. If I want to like, it's when I start thinking about trading up that I'm like. That mindset kind of poisons you with a, this has to be worth something I've noticed, which is, and then I just go out and drive it and enjoy it. And then I'm reminded as to why that doesn't actually matter. Cause like I've got to enjoy the thing that I do own. It's a very interesting thing. So we got a tip from Josh Passante. Uh, he said oh. he either passed a white Countach or the guy with the kit that we've been trolling. It's probably the kit. <laughs> In Twinsburg, Ohio, it's probably In the, the middle of November. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed that Josh couldn't tell the difference, but... <laughs> it's dark it, outside. It is night. His night vision is going bad along with Hank's. It's all good. <laughs> oh, Josh, no. Oh, well. Alrighty. Switchcast is also brought to you by Celebrity Machines. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they've appeared in movies and TV shows, such as Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates, as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save 25.39% at checkout we uh have one of our subscribers on tiktok jake m asked us a question and this is uh who we, we we have gotten into this and, and we could continue to get into it for a whole episode but just a very very high level is this answer EV? <laughs> yeah well actually <laughs> mr bojangles asked an ev question but we'll, we'll come back to some of these uh but jake m the subscriber asks do you think Carvana will actually finally kill over and die? High level answer here. Where, where are we at with that? Yeah, so their stock is 33 as of today. So if you invested at the beginning of the year, you would have made over 200% on your money. Do you check that before every Switchcast episode just so you, you can whip it just out if in you case. need it? <laughs> I'm so ready. I'm 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 not going to take that as an insult. Oh, did not mean it as such. <laughs> you just had that really ready, like it was in the chamber. You were just waiting. To... I'm heavily researched on a few things that may or may not matter. Um, so I think they already did right. So last year they took a debt restructuring deal that was voluntary, but when you look into it, it was essentially a Chapter 11 bankruptcy. They renegotiated with their lenders and kicked the can down the road. Um, so I'm counting that as my own victory because it was a, a voluntary bankruptcy, even though it wasn't billed as a bankruptcy. Um, keel over and die is, is an interesting thing, right? So the, the shift automotive out in California, which was a mini Carvana, just totally just like went defunct. There's a number of ways to go broke or go bankrupt without actually like shutting down operations and Carvana is big enough that they probably won't shut down. Somebody will buy them out. Um, they own Odessa Auctions. Uh, they have a pretty good brand name, although they're killing their reputation. I mean, I've read stories about them bouncing checks on people, which is not something you should do if you're a company of that size. You know, wheels-to-wheels transportation can do it, but <laughs> Carvana shouldn't be. Um, so I still think that their fundamentals are bad. They've got too much debt to service to to keep going um but they'll get more investors somebody will come in and buy them out they'll, they'll figure something out i don't th I, I don't think that we're going to wake up one day and just see them all shuttered like somebody will come in they'll file a restructuring bankruptcy somebody will come in buy their assets and fix them well i think we mentioned that when the few times we've talked about the uh the bailouts for 
the big automakers is that GM wasn't going to just disappear. All their factories shuttered, abandoned. Like, that's not what that would have looked like if they were allowed to fail. Someone else would have come in. There would have mm-hmm. been a restructuring. The equipment is there. The ability to produce stuff is there. Correct. But it would have looked different. Correct. So on that note, Jake adds, I'm just hoping for their inventory to flood the market. What would need to happen for that to be the case? I mean, they would have to file bankruptcy. Um, a Chapter 11 bankruptcy could put their inventory on the market. If a, if a court order essentially says you have to dispose of all assets to pay off the creditors, um, that's highly unlikely. Um, yeah. I think there's very rare scenario that we're just going to see all of their inventory hit the market immediately. And if we do, it's likely going to go through a wholesale auction and their competitors are going to snap it up. So it's not going to have an immediate effect on the overall wholesale market, at least not a drastic effect. It's not like all of a sudden everybody will just be able to buy cars cheap, right? It's going to be a delayed effect. There will be other big players that will snap it up um, either out of opportunity or to basically like dollar cost average, right? They're going to they want to protect their own stock of inventory so they don't want the market to get flooded i mean there's there's enough cash out there that wants to protect its own cash that the market isn't necessarily going to do what it should do naturally so hmm. all righty well how about we do wall of shame doug how's that yeah sound? go for it all righty uh, so this week for Wall of Shame, we've got a post on the Reddit, uh, the subreddit Nissan Rogue, which I didn't know existed. I'm not <laughs> surprised. There's a subreddit for everything, but this is incredibly specific. Uh, titled 2023 Nissan Rogue Tires Are Bald. Dealer says, quote, tough luck. Uh, my friend bought her brand. I mean, it is a wear <laughs> item, but keep going. <laughs> Uh, So the thread says, uh, my friend bought her brand new 23 Nissan Rogue in March. The tires are now totally bald. When when she took it to the dealer, uh, he said there was nothing they could do, which sounds about right. You can't repair bald tires. Not with that attitude. Uh, (laughs) 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 All right, producer Ethan. (laughs) Uh, my Murano will be over here if you need me. <laughs> yeah, you need to go to the Nissan Murano subreddit and <laughs> chat on there. It's all cross-cab owners. <laughs> I don't belong. Uh, so dealer says she needs to replace the tires at her cost, which is how that works. Uh, she is an Uber driver, and the car has 31,000 miles on it so far. Holy crap. <laughs> Whoa. That's pretty good. That's nuts. That's pretty good. Uh, 31,000 miles. I mean, Uber, yeah. So the, the thread, uh, the thread uh, poster does acknowledge that uh, there is some like there is mileage on it, but they're like, don't most tires last five years or 65,000 miles, which I'm not sure I've ever heard the 65,000 miles part. Not OEM tire. I, I don't know any tires that last 60,000 miles, but definitely not OEM, you know, what they put on there. But that's really hilarious. I mean, that just illustrates the mentality of people that think car dealers are responsible for everything. Like, well, actually, bald tires on a car, this is continuing in the thread in that same vein, bald tires on a car that was just bought nine months ago seems like a defect. But it's 31,000 miles. It's not nine months. You could put, I mean, it's like me going and doing a cannonball and then be like, my oil is black. It must be defective. I bought it three days ago. <laughs> yeah, why isn't everything perfect? Right, because you put... 4,000 hard miles on it, 150 miles an hour. Ah, yeah, people. People People. are Uh, insane. So (laughs) insane in the membrane. Um, Transition here. Um, Went out to an interesting car auction this week. It was in Pennsylvania, and it was an old car dealer slash body shop. Over 45 Corvettes, 25 antique Schwinn bicycles, and then two Lamborghinis and two Ferraris. This place was full of Corvette curmudgeons. The mullets were plentiful. Lots and lots of New Balances. Cheap beer. Did you get any photos? I did. I did. They're on on the Instagram. Um, There's a Corvette jean jacket mullet wearing guy that just 
is perfect, perfect model. Anyway, um, <laughs> this is a, a good example. You do not have to be a dealer to go here, right? But this is a very, very good example of why stuff is caveat emptor. There's nothing more caveat emptor than an auction like this. So I noticed this, and, and I know this, I'm going in there like, you know, stuff is as is. I got to check it out, especially since, let's see, the D Lamborghini Diablo was a rebuilt title. The Lamborghini Halpa was a rebuilt title. The Ferrari 328 was a rebuilt title. And the Ferrari 456 was branded title, not actual mileage. So we're starting off on the right foot here. Perfection. <laughs> but, you know, I had a friend maybe named Ed Bolian that got real excited about uh, rebuilt title Lamborghini Diablo. So we go out there, check it out. It's sort of okay. It was photographed with the Speedline Murcielago wheels, but we got there and it had Asante wheels on it. Um, the Speedline wheels were hidden behind a curtain. And um, the engine bay was like a spray-painted silver. Whoa. Yeah, oh, yeah. Everything, you know, the the uh, uh, cylinder, not the cylinder heads, the valve covers and all the hardware, the intakes, everything. It was just silver. It's like, this Whoa. is nice. 42,000 kilometers on it. Uh, it was okay. Like, underneath it looked okay. It had the VIN etched on the glass and stuff. So, like, oh, okay, maybe it wasn't hit that hard. But it was it was a little bit rough. So, it was a... It was a this was no RM auction, we'll say, right? It was it was very low tech. Um, Were there not twenty six dollar deli sandwiches either? <laughs> uh, no, there was not twenty six dollar deli sandwiches. Um, yes, so uh, so many more things I could say about this to paint a picture of the auction, but I, I'm I'm not. Uh, let's get to the the nitty gritty here. The auctioneer goes up, and, and we verified beforehand that the the Speedline wheels that were on the auction catalog pictured on the car were not included with the car. I'm like, okay, I'm glad we asked. But on the screen, it still showed it with those wheels, and therefore any online bidder was seeing it with those wheels. In the auction catalog that they handed out, it said 559 kilometers. It was also announced as 559 kilometers. So if you're bidding online, you think you're bidding on a 559 kilometer Diablo with Speedline wheels, but you're bidding on a 42,000 kilometer Diablo with Asante wheels. Hmm. However, in their terms of service bidding, Oh, every item in this auction is available for bidder inspection prior to the auction ending, either during the scheduled preview session by bidding each bidder acknowledges and agrees that they have had a full and fair opportunity to inspect the item or lots and is relying solely on the bidder's personal inspection, whether in person, through proxy, or based on the provided photographs and opinion in determining whether to bid and determining the amount to bid and or maximum bid and in submitting the bid max bid. As is, where is. All items and lots are sold on an as-is, whereas, and with all false bases without exception. There's no warranty of any type expressed or implied as to the fitness or merchantability of, for any particular purpose of any goods offered in this auction. Uh, blah, 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 blah. That's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah. Sound like those old infomercials from, like, the mid-2000s. Uh, <laughs> buyers understand that all lots and items are being offered as used and therefore have some level of wear and or damage and are by the very nature of being, quote, used and are pre-owned and or aged, quote, are at some level of defective. The auctioneer and seller expressly and specifically disclaim without limitation any warranty or merchantability or fitness for a particular purpose. Uh, no sale shall be invalidated by reason of any defect or inaccuracy in any of the items or lots by reason of their being incorrectly described orally or written, invoiced or cataloged, and no liability will be borne by the auctioneers, licensees, employees, and agents in respect to any such faults or errors. Whoa. Caveat emptor, ladies wow. and gentlemen. We even told them, hey, um, before they started, we're like, no, it's the car's right there. It's 42000 on the odometer. Whatever. So I was a little salty because I'm like, you know, if people knew that it was different mileage and the wheels weren't coming with it maybe i would have won that particular auction item but i think most people are smarter than that like they did provide the vin run the friggin vin do a carfax you know it's a rebuilt title at th that point it doesn't matter what the mileage is it's a rebuilt title 500 miles or 
500,000 miles. It's Kilometers. a rebuilt title. Yes, details. Sure, sure. Not <laughs> details that the auction house would... Uh, but here's the thing. I don't mean to, to like smear this auction house, right? This is standard fare for auctions. RM, Gooding, all the big guys do this too. You have to read between the lines. You have to do your own homework. You have to know what you are bidding on. Because nine times out of ten, you cannot go back to the auction and say, I didn't know. You misdescribed it. Cool. Here's our disclaimer. I like all that stuff. Doesn't matter what we said about the car. By bidding, you agree with this. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. However, I did come home with a car from this auction. Ooh. Ooh, Breaking news. Is that air horn moment again? Should I? No. It's too late. Moments passed. (laughs) Um, There was a Ferrari 456 GT there in not like carmine red, but Rubino Michelizzato, which is another Whoa. sweet burgundy color. Decidedly he, not s- Chevy Side red. note, hearing the Chevy red. <laughs> West hearing the West Virginian uh, auctioneers who are all wearing cowboy boots and cowboy hats try to pronounce anything related <laughs> to the Italian cars was great. Absolutely. We got a Lamborghini Jalpa. <laughs> cool. They did get Valentino Balboni right, though. I was happy about that. Ah, right, the Jalpa right. was sound, signed by Valentino Balboni. Pretty good. Um, so, uh, yeah, there is a Ferrari 456 GT there. And on the Carfax, it said 180,000 miles was the last mileage entry. 180,000 miles on a V12 Ferrari. Whoa. But the odometer had a different story. I'm assuming lower. 970,000 miles. Ah, wow. I don't know. <laughs> what? It's almost a million mile Ferrari. <laughs> Doug Tabbitt's million mile Ferrari. Buddy. I bought it. <laughs> New- Newfin Wiki episode. Coming back. I bought it. Well, no, I was like, man, there's a YouTuber out there that really needs this. Yeah, right. <laughs> Clickbait headline right here about the highest mile Ferrari in the world. Is it here? When, when does uh, it? It'll be here tomorrow. Can't oh, wait. yeah. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, I bought a, it uh, about a million mile Ferrari. It's, apparently, it runs great. Fantastic. Yes, you'll find out. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting. So um, on that note, um, <laughs> we have a question from Instagram about uh, high mileage basket case cars. Because, yeah, like this is outside of my normal rem. I, I will disclose that right we like to buy clean low mileage stuff that doesn't have crazy stories but we have buyers that like a deal and so we were there just looking for a deal and kind of for entertainment it was it was very entertaining i'm not gonna lie so but yeah so this commenter says doug do you think there's a market for basket case ferrari or lamborghini cars that makes sense where where i'm going here Seems like there are no deals to be had where the car is for sale at a price point where someone could come in and repair or restore the car and still be on the better side of cost versus buying a nice quality car. I recently bought a 997 that needed work but was priced accordingly. After all the work was done, I was still able to enjoy the car for some time and make money in the end. Just seems like sellers believe that because it has the Ferrari badge, it should still be on par with higher quality examples. Thoughts? Hmm. Uh, it's a good question. Um, I'm not going to answer the exact question that you asked, but I think it's still an answer. Um, I've always advocated that you should not try to buy the cheapest car on the market because it'll end up not being the cheapest car on the market. Um, the, the, there's a law of diminishing returns as you go down market, right? Like, if you spend 60 grand on a ratty Porsche, you could buy the best one in the world for 80 and a mediocre one for 70. The 60K one, you'll probably end up spending 10 grand on it. You'll be in at 70, and it still won't be as good as the one you could have bought for 70. Hmm. So in a general principle, I say never buy the cheapest car on the market because it's a you know it's a reverse hockey stick, right? Like, you know, buy in the middle of the market or at the top or whatever. Um that being said, I think that if your goal is just to buy a driver, um, kind of the way Ed Bullion does it, there's a way – I don't think there's a value proposition for buying them and restoring them. But if your plan is just to buy it and have fun with it and you just want to get in at a lower entry point, I think there that it is possible that there is a value proposition there. But you have to be really, really careful. 
because once you start getting into the the lower end of the market, I think you get more into dealing with shady people who are covering things up hmm. and um, you have to make sure that you're buying with enough cushion to make up for any possible risks that you take on by buying a car at the bottom of the market. Um, I think the mistake people make is they're like, well, I'm saving 10 grand. And I'm like, no, you're just buying a $10,000 less car for $10,000 less, but you should buy it for 15K less because you're buying a car with a potential story that's going to be harder to sell and may need more invested in it. So in order to account for that hassle and risk, you have to buy it for even less to make sure you're ahead of the game. So yes, there is a value proposition in buying at the bottom of the market, but you have to buy lower than you think and don't expect to restore it. Because there's an old saying that I love, is the only people that make money off of restoring a car are the restoration shops. Ain't that the truth? Absolutely. Um, let's see. The appraiser game we played last year. Yes. Uh, I ended up winning. Gotta, gotta remind you of that. Um, uh, my I taste like buds can still feel the malort. Oh, yes. Um, but we ended with one car that we both put a guess in on. And it was a 2001 Porsche 911 Turbo in Wimbledon green paint to oh. sample. Very cool color on P car market. But the car was still in Italy. Uh, there was a lot of debate within the comment flow about the ease of getting the car into the United States with the seller saying, oh, it's super easy. You just don't need even just, just bring it in. You're fine. Uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but um, the market, I think, spoke uh, and as to the difficulty and or uncertainty of bringing a car in from overseas that's less than 25 years old because it is not as simple as just putting it on a truck and bringing it over. Um, first of all, the truck would go to the bottom of the ocean. You'd have to put it on a ship. But um, <laughs> catching my own mistakes here before somebody else on the internet does. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Um, but let's see. I guessed 45000 I was super lowballing because I'm like, eh, it's overseas. Nobody wants it. Tyler guessed... 75 because he got all hot and bothered by the green look doug have you seen it <laughs> just look at it <laughs> like ed bassmaster just, just would you just look at that just look at this oh i'm looking would at you, it right now just look at that god you turn the heat on in here so is it still <laughs> nobody put in a bid after the auction it was 55 grand was a high bid correct uh the current offer is sixty thousand. Oh well, shoot! Now it's dead in between. About what you that, and I guessed, which happened uh, like the same day as, or no, it happened a week after the auction ended. Somebody put in an offer for sixty k. Okay, well, I so thought I, I for, won that uh, one handily, but it literally split right down the middle. Which is kind of we accidentally picked the same car. It accidentally <laughs> ended up in the middle. That's a we couldn't plan that if we tried. I don't think. What I find is fascinating is the buy it now price on P car market is a hundred and five. What? And wait, that car had like ninety thousand miles, right? Ah, uh, or ninety thousand kilometers or something. Yeah. It wasn't low. Ninety one thousand kilometers. Right. So it's a cool color, but it's. There's hardly a 996 Turbo out there right now that is a six-figure car. There were some at the peak of the market, but they certainly did not have 55,000 miles, and they weren't overseas. Yeah, I think the seller, this is really riding on it being the one of one in this color. I don't think there's another 996 Turbo in Wimbledon green. Uh, Gray. The, the, no, it's black. Uh, the <laughs> peanut gallery here asked the color of the interior. It is black. I mean, it's like very high optioned. It was a press car. At, this is like first year 996 turbo situation. So it's like, it's really cool. 105 is steep. That's insanity. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Well, we have more, but we don't have more time. So with that, we're going to move on to the props and flops. And if you guys do have questions, we will have tip talk after the regular segment of our show. Um, you can throw in those questions um, during the bonus round in just a few minutes. The props and flops are brought to you by Switch Cars. Switch Cars is the enthusiast's dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. 
So check out our handpicked inventory at switchcars.com. And our pick of the week from Switch Cars Inventory is... Do you have one? Yes, I do. <laughs> it's a 2000 BMW 323CI with just 13,500 miles. As a sport Ooh. package, it's black on tan, and it is a five-speed manual transmission. Yeah, buddy. It is on Bring a Trailer right now at no reserve. True no reserve, no shill bidding here, no games. You won't see it relisted a week later like you see with no reserve eBay auctions. Um, yep, it's selling. Uh, by this time next week, that car will have sold for better or for worse. So go check it out. We'll put the link in the description of the episode, right, Ethan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, our flop of the week, uh, uh, Texas Coffee and Cars, right? Because Cars and Coffee is trademarked. <laughs> right? I always forget that it is. It's so ridiculous. It's so dumb. Yeah. Uh, bands, mad about it. Mustangs, Chargers, and Camaros. <laughs> <laughs> That's like half the attendance of any Cars and Coffee. <laughs> Due to their moronic behavior, this article is brought to us by The Drive. <laughs> Although, I guess if you're a Mustang owner, it would be The Don't Drive. <laughs> Can't drive to Cars and Coffee. Uh, I guess they've had the same cars. problem. Sorry. Coffee and Cars. Demonetized here. Oh, yeah. man. Cease and desist. <laughs> Producer Ethan, always looking out. <laughs> uh, due to idiot burnouts. Um the event claims the ban is temporary, but a lot of people aren't happy. Well, yeah, Mustang owners. Are they talking? Is the burnouts the thing that they're doing, or the owners of the vehicles? Oh, like, uh, yes, <laughs> um, both, <laughs> both. Um, there's there's a whole there's a whole uh, uh, rabbit trail I could go down about this because. Cars and Coffee, I think, has gotten a little bit out of hand across the country. Um, burnouts are cool, right? I, like, I've left a number of Cars and Coffee sideways, smoking tires, whatever. Um, but I've done it in a controlled manner, and I haven't ever wrecked. Um, does that mean I should do it? I don't know. But I think the bigger problem is the nuisance and, um, you know, the, well, the people wrecking. Uh, that's Mustang people. They're not uh, operating vehicles within their means. But, like, to me, I look at this and go, oh, no, there's no Mustangs, Chargers, and what was the other thing? Camaros? Um, at a Cars and Coffee, like, that's not what I'm going to see anyway. Like, I feel like most Cars and Coffee now look like a dealership lot. Hmm. They do. It's nothing special. But then the events, there was an event out in Texas somewhere or somewhere, I, I don't know where it was, that the guy was asking people to leave and they're getting all upset, like, oh, you're gatekeeping, you're a car snob, whatever, my car just has every right to be here. I'm like, well, what's the happy medium, right? Was it on this podcast where I said the world could use more gatekeeping or is that somewhere else and maybe I shouldn't go into that here? <laughs> that, was another, that was in a conversation after the podcast That's ended. a hot take. Oh, that was. <laughs> that's a hot take, Tyler. Look, I I'm, we're not going to get into it because I'm going to get canceled or I'm going to get Doug canceled. I just feel like I, not everybody might special. get Hank upset. Well, I will I will use myself as as an example. I love my green over gray 996. It is not special in a lot of cars and coffee contexts. I like to park in there and then I shut the door and I walk and go talk to my friends. If somebody told me I wasn't allowed in the main lot with the Ferraris and Lamborghinis. I wouldn't be. You upset about it, man? Tell that to is. every drip that ordered a, a DB9 <laughs> special Aston Martin 101 <laughs> certificate. There, good luck selling that. Well, that's true, I guess. But I don't know. I just everybody needs to stop taking themselves so seriously. Participation awards and all that nonsense. Love your Mustang. It doesn't right. have to be impressive to anybody else. I'm with you. That's 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 a good take. We'll, we'll end that there. There is a larger discussion to be had there, but I don't know if it's valuable. That's good. Good thought, Tyler. The prop of the week. This is via Breitbart and a tip from our listener, Coach Connie 64. Uh, the quick thinking employees at an Akron, shout out local, yeah, Akron auto repair shop impressed the police department after they thwarted an alleged car thief's escape by forklifting the entire vehicle <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> what? It's pretty good. Mm -hmm. I watched a video of this. 
It was impressive. It's pretty good. I don't know how the guy didn't just drive around the forklift. <laughs> Honestly, forklifts <laughs> are not known for being particularly agile. But um, how do you not like get away from that? <laughs> you know, so a forklift operator? <laughs> Come on, oh, now. man. That is an amateur the, hour all the way. Holy the forklifts smoke. nor the operators move quickly. Good heavens. Yeah. <laughs> Union job. <laughs> oh, My man. goodness. Yeah, there's not much to be said about that other than it was freaking awesome. <laughs> it's pretty great. Oh, the cops wish they were that good. Oh, man. <laughs> Can you imagine? The cops are going to get a forklift now, put a little like dome light on it, and paint it black and white. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> not gonna outrun them <laughs> they're like no I saw a video on the internet it worked for that this guy. works yeah I swear <laughs> trust me guys <laughs> just drop it off via drone they're gonna have a problem with that rear steering though <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh That's man pretty good better than spike strips well, anyway, thank you for joining us. We look forward to an, another new and exciting season with all of you. Uh, thank you to um, Ethan Huffnagel, our producer, and Tyler Sanders, our banterer. Thank you to our sponsors, <laughs> BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, Parallel Printworks, and Stephen Holm Woodworking. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available next Monday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out switchcast.live to get caught up on old episodes. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. as we look forward to edifying, educating, and entertaining you on the drive of your life.